Awesome. Looks like we are live. Nathan, thanks for coming on, brother. My pleasure, Josh. Thanks for having me. Oh, all good. Um, yeah, so, jeez, uh, I've got a lot here that I, that I sort of want to cover. Um, I haven't been following you for a long time, and I must be honest, it's, it's kind of a bit overwhelming to know where to start with these things, especially with new people. But I thought I would start with maybe just giving the listeners like a bit of an overview of how you describe yourself, because I, I find it very intriguing. So um, how, how do you describe yourself to the world, whether online or, you know, in person? What's the best uh, fit answer for that? <laughs> <laughs> how do I describe myself? I mean, it's always changing. Like, I always find mm. it funny to for, labels are always funny because none of us are our labels we are all so much beyond that but in terms of what i feel like i'm here for i think on this round of the merry-go-round i am in service of reminding free people that and in fact inspiring and helping free people to live their truth and be the change so that's kind of like what i'm here for in terms of what i am i think i've just been a hypersensitive person who never really managed to fit into the societal structures, even though I tried super hard for a long time and I ended up with a lot of pain because of it. Um, but I really, I remember so clearly my feelings of wanting like authentic connection and wanting just to be myself with others. Uh, I recently had a, a line come to me in a medicine journey, which is just, I love being me with you. And I realized that that's one of my primary states is I love being me with you, with all of you, with this whole dance. And yet somewhere along the way, I learned that me being me, wanting to be me with you was not welcome. And I was bullied and crushed and punished and all the other wonderful things that we've all been through. I know I'm not unique in this. Um, so now more than anything, I think maybe the most accurate thing when someone asked me like who I am or what I'm up to, I could just say, I love being me with you. And that would probably be the most accurate response. Wow. Um, I, I connected with that almost instantaneously. I felt that, um, yeah, that's, that's very powerful. And, and there's, there's stuff that I would love to get into. You, you mentioned some medicine work, which I, I definitely want to dive into because it's some, it's a very, it's a very, um, I guess it's a hot topic these days, but um, I've also had some interesting experiences myself. So I would love to maybe dive into that a bit, a bit later for sure. But I thought, I mean, that sort of introduction out the way, I thought I would start with also how I sort of came into contact with you, which is, you know, in the glorious world of Instagram and, <laughs> and seeing your good work put out there. But um, specifically, I actually thought it was Tara, but I know you pronounce it Tara. So it's, is, is that correct? Tara from Slowdown Farmstead? Yeah, she mentioned, she said, like, I love the way you say it in your accent, but it's actually Tara. <laughs> I was like, okay, Tara. <laughs> yeah, so, so I, made a, I made a note to just um, try my best to get her, her, the pronunciation of her name right. So Tara from Slowdown Farmstead, for those that don't know, she's just got an amazing account she's an amazing wordsmith like yourself and i just connect deeply with her work and then through her i came in contact with your work how so how did that relationship transpire and what's the connection be behind you know that that podcast and and the relationship itself well she's so actually my mom recommended her uh, Tara's page so on farmstead at some point a few years ago and my mom actually has she's like a really good at finding like these epic things that i don't know there's a lot of stuff we don't see eye to eye on but more and more i realize 
she really is on point in a lot of ways. Like when the whole um, like lockdowns and everything first kicked off and I was still like, oh, it's just another one of those silly things. You know, it'll be, she was like, no, no, this is the beginning of something really serious. She was so dead, dead on, like in so many ways. Anyway, but um, so she told me about Tara and at some point I just started following Slowdown Farmstead and then uh, just commenting and interacting. And because Tara is, I think, such a wonderful human, like at some point, I guess she was like, wow, this guy seems like he's really enjoying stuff. And she just must have clicked through to my page. And then there was a resonance, obviously, where she was like, wow, I love his songs, his poems, etc. And, and we just started an interaction. And for now, she's, I guess, a couple of years, we've just, every now and then, we'll just exchange some messages. And, and I just deeply, I think she, she's kind of models, uh, a kind of embodiment that I'm, I'm working on in myself that I'm practicing where she really lives her truth in a way that I, I am practicing. Let's, let's say it kindly. <laughs> mm. Yeah, definitely. There's, there's so much, so much goodness there and, and I can see it in your work, to be honest, it's definitely coming through and it's, it seems to be blooming right now. So that's a, that's a good, good sign. You know, it's, I, 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 I connected so deeply with, with the first, <laughs> 15, 20 minutes of the podcast you did with her. And I was just like, wow, this is just absolutely, it's the stuff that I get super excited about, like in, in the sense that that's real, you know, that that's mm -hmm. the type of stuff that, that I would love to be involved in speaking about. And I mean, you mentioned the beginning, you know, sort of not fitting in. I, I felt the same way. It's, it's, I've always wanted let's just call this guy maybe Fat Josh or when he was back at the pubs, you know, all the time. I, I always had this longing for just going a bit deeper with things and and not living on the periphery or, or just not living on the surface, you know. And, and, and I feel like that, I guess what I'm say, saying is like, this is a testament to to me living my truth and, and finding out more about myself and and connecting with, you know, with, with individuals like yourself and Tara and other people that I've had in the show. So yeah, I, I, I connect deeply with that. And um, yeah, something something very special there. Well, there's actually a, so a podcast episode. I don't know when this episode will be out, but I have one coming on the next Thursday, which is kind of in two days. So okay. um, yeah, I'm like, what timelines? <laughs> what is this three dimensions yeah, still? <laughs> um, but uh when my friend my dear brother roman uh, ricardo we we have a really great conversation and at some point i think towards the end of that conversation he talks about he's like be you like if you don't let everyone know that you love basketball how do the other people who love basketball find you so it's like if now you josh are letting the world know this is i love depth i love authenticity i love meat and then other people are like, oh, me too. I want to be a part of that. Um, and I just think more and more that that's like, that's the whole inspiration for We Are Already Free, which came th through a poem, which is a whole story behind that, which I can get into. But for now, mainly just, it's about what can we do? What can I do? I'm not trying to convince anyone that of anything, actually, all I'm doing is singing the song of my heart so that other people who have the same song can find me and I can find them and we can all remember together that we are already free. And and so rather than it being about, oh, I want to go and check, oh, those people are wrong, I need to change their minds. Let them think what they want to think. I don't want, I can't change anyone's mind. I'm just done pretending that I'm 
I'm just done pretending, basically. That's at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely. So, I mean, for those that don't know, so, I mean, kind of, I'm kind of structuring this episode around your podcast itself. So your, your mm -hmm. podcast is called We Are Already Free. And what you spoke about the poem, obviously you can go into as to much details you like as to how they came about, but what, so you gave a sort of, you scratched the surface there. So how, how did, what's the origins of it? You know, what, what's, mm -hmm. what's the, how did this manifest itself and how did this creation come about? Cause I, I find it very beautiful. And maybe you can touch on the, on the butterfly as well. Cause I, I thought that was a pretty interesting symbol for the, the, the podcast itself. <laughs> yeah sure so like when this whole thing kicked off again because i don't know how many people remember how often we've had these kind of like oh no sars or oh no i don't know bird flu or pigs swine flu or like there's every few years there's been another thing i even saw a, a, a photo that had been put together like a meme or something where there's all these covers of time magazine like oh no swine flu oh no this flu like they've been the sort of when i say they i mean the consciousness that is currently thinks it's in control of reality mm -hmm. is is running the game of fear and othering and oh no those deadly germs that are going to kill us and there's nothing we can do so i've been witnessing that for many years and my my history my upbringing was nature cure my parents raised me in nature cure so that's when we got sick we would fast and we would do cleanses of enemas like which now sounds crazy. like i didn't used to tell people that when i was a kid i was like i don't know, i was embarrassed but it worked I would be I would be sick for maybe two or three, maybe four or five days at the most, get a nice fever, sweat it out, and then I'd be well again. And I never so rarely went to the doctor other than for injuries. And then when I was in my early 20s and I first went overseas, I fully bought it. Again, I was at that time trying to fit into the system. I was drinking, I was having sex, I was doing all the wonderful things that the society told me I should do to be a good citizen. And I was getting so sick, like just from eating shit food, having shit relationships. And I started going to doctors. So like, oh, I feel a bit unwell, I'll go to the doctor, they give me antibiotics. And then I'm sick for like a week and I feel terrible and I don't really feel that good afterwards. I was like, this sucks. So through my own experimentation, I realized actually the nature cure is way better. And I returned to that way of just cleansing, fasting, eating better food, etc. And so I already had been through my journey, my dark night of the soul with trusting the institutions to take care of me. I realized a long time ago, they don't know how to take care of me. And that's one of the defining characteristics of modern society is that it doesn't actually take care of people, which is crazy, but true. And so by the time the, the whole uh, COVID thing rolled around. I was just like, oh, this is ridiculous. Like I didn't even really pay it much attention. And then it got more intense. And I was like, okay, this is now people are really buying, buying this story. Like they really think this is, we have to be scared of, of a flu, like a virus that's going to come and kill us. And there's no, there's nothing you can do except that the average age of death is way above the average lifespan of most people of, of like, anyway, all that stuff. So, so then I started sharing those kinds of things just sharing like, hey, have you noticed that all the deaths are like older than 87 or something like, and that mm. that's like when people would be dying anyway, and it doesn't really make sense. But every time I tried to share something that had a statistic or had an alternative viewpoint, that it was so polarizing. People would just like freak out and there'd be arguments in the comments and people blocking and shouting at each other. And, and I was like, I don't, I don't want to do that. This doesn't seem fun to me. I'm not, there's nothing good coming of this. So I went quiet and I, tried to stay quiet 
but I couldn't because it I had this feeling of I have a truth and my truth is valid, but I, my truth isn't about prove, disproving someone else. I'm not trying to attack or defame or other or make someone else evil, but I have a truth that's mine and it's important for me. And that's when I first wrote my, I started with long form poems and I've been a songwriter since I was 15 years old, 14, 15 years old. So that's more than half my lifetime ago. Um, and I've always loved poetry. I've written poems here and there, but I'd never, and I've always loved spoken word poetry, but I'd never written a long form poem like that. And then I was like, I need to get this out. And I, I just didn't feel like a song. It's like, I have too much to say. <laughs> <laughs> and so I started these long form poems and I think we are already free was maybe the second or the third one that I wrote. And I'm saying that, you know, I've been a lyricist my for most of my life. So I really, words are like my, my gem that I've po been polishing my whole life, like mm -hmm. the diamond in the rough that I polish till it shines. So the fact that I could translate that into written uh, long form poetry, it's not like I suddenly started writing poems. People often ask, they're like, oh, you know, what spirits do you think you're channeling? And I'm like, I'm channeling like 30 years of deeply dedicated love of words. Like, I don't know what, I don't know what you want to call that. <laughs> but, um, but at the end of the day, we're all channeling the divine. That's the funny part. It's just how how clear have we have we got the the, the signal, the channel that the signal comes through. It's really just about that. So anyway, I put that poem out, and what's hilarious is because I didn't know how viral stuff works. I didn't put my name on the video anywhere. I just you know put it up on my Instagram, and then it just went. And next thing, people were writing to me from like Australia and America and all over the world, being like. Well, what was funny about it is, first of all, a few people wrote to me like, hey, isn't this you? And then more and more people and then someone tagged me on Facebook being like, I think this is you, man, because basically people were downloading the video and re-uploading it. But no one very quickly, the broken telephone, no one knew who I was mm -hmm. because my mm -hmm. name wasn't on the video. Anyway, and that's how We Are Already Free came about. It was really my commentary on what I was witnessing through my own lens of having lived through trying to trust society whether especially i think i mean there are many points that the poem makes but one of them is that that comes up now is the idea that you know you all need to get an injection otherwise you're a really bad person and i'm like i understand the logic of thinking that everyone needs to try to look after everyone else so why don't we first you all stop drinking Coca-Cola and watching the news and sitting on your couch and you all come outside and you do exercise and you eat good food and you think good thoughts. And then we see how everyone's health is. And mm. if we're still really in a bad way, then maybe we can talk about your injections. And, and that was the point I was making is like, it doesn't work. You've got to take the logic both ways. If you say I have to, that you want to control my bodily sovereignty so that you can feel safer, I want to do the same thing to you. And I think we should do mine first because it's natural. It's how nature intended. <laughs> anyway, I got a little, I, I, I tangent, but basically we are already free tangent was born away. out of that. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And, 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 and that line, we are already free. It's, it's how the poem ends. It's the last line in the poem. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. and I really felt every time I would say that I could just feel people that was like taking a breath, just like, mm -hmm. oh, just like, thank you. Yes. Yes. 
And so I know that on practical terms, as in my conversation with Emily of Free Birth Society, which is the second episode of my podcast, she's like, she's like, I like the name we are already free. She said, but in reality, we're all born into captivity in the society. And that's the current reality. And I was like, I'm not denying that. Mm. But in the same way that we use mantra and we use prayer and we use intention and visualization to manifest a future that we want, mm. that's what we are already free is about is that in, in the intrinsic and important ways, we are already free. And as we come to embody that and believe that and live by that, then that becomes our reality. And so that's the whole thing I am in service of is the remembrance of that simple truth that we are already free. Yeah, it's, I mean, the, the word I wrote was intrinsic. It, it literally, the, the residue benefits of, of that mantra and, and knowing that that you have with everything within you like you said there are practicalities to to the statement itself but when you trust your you trust yourself at a very basic level and you listen to you know i like to call it the the, the inner shaman or the, your inner god you know some really beautiful things can can take place like you said the sickest i've been <laughs> has been when i've been thrust into the, the institutions of the world and the doctors and 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 i've and i've i sort of lost touch with my my inner shape my inner shaman you know i've lost touch with my we are already free mantra that's that's been carried with me and so i i connect with that on on on, on such a level um yeah it's amazing yeah there's there's no like how simple it is to reclaim, but then also how hard it is to reclaim. It's like mm. both at the same time. And we just, I love how Ramda says, we're all just walking each other home. Mm. And I think that that remembrance is such a, you know, I was thinking a lot about truth, obviously, especially in the last few years where pol polarization has become the primary weapon in the arsenal of separation, because that's how polarization works. It mm. separates. And I was thinking like, okay, so what is the truth? If I'm told on one side that, veganism is the way forward i'm telling the other i should eat only meat or even more if i'm told that i don't have medical sovereignty and i need to trust the government and the medical systems or no 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 i actually am responsible it's fine like how do i know what the truth is where do mm -hmm. i find that and i one of the ways that i've worked out for myself is anything or anyone that is basically just pointing directly at me is that's something worth trusting. So anything that is trying its best or practicing or facilitating me being empowered, that is definitely in the direction of truth. It's pointing mm -hmm. at the, it's pointing in an important direction. And actually it's the hilarity of all the wisdom teachings is that these great masters, these great teachers, all they've ever been doing is pointing directly into your heart, Josh, your heart, whoever's listening, in my heart, they're pointing. And what happens is that so many people bow down and they say, oh, holy finger, I am not mm. worthy of your, and like all the fingers doing is pointing straight at you. Like you're it, mate. <laughs> and yet we forget and we obsess over the teacher and the, the guide and the messenger. We, we worship the map rather than using the map to get home. <laughs> yeah, the, I mean, I just wanna, yeah like so much there is it's so easy to latch on to these you know these gurus these self-improvement courses and 
it, it is so easy and, and I see so many people falling victim because I've fallen victim. I, I'm, I'm saying that from personal experience. You know, I was, I, I was so, about nine years ago, I decided, you know, I was a very overweight kid, very, very fat my whole entire life. And I decided, you know, uh, this is it. I, I need to change on a biological level. But as good as that change was, it, uh, it made me feel inferior in many ways afterwards because it's like, when does it stop? You know, when does the self-improvement bandwagon stop? And who's the next person I need to latch on to to get what I want in life, you know? Whereas, like you said, it, it, these these greats, you know, the Ramdas and the the greats that really speak to you are speaking to you. It, it's not, they're not selling you anything. They're selling you personal sovereignty and I, and, and you can't put a price tag on that. So then technically not selling it, but uh, yeah, I think that's so powerful. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Well, there's also this, you were asking about the butterfly earlier. So the cover of my podcast is a, is a butterfly and that actually came about, I was putting together because people have been asking me that like, I want to be able to read these long form poems like in my own time because there's so much in them. So I created a basically just a free little ebook that is now offered on my website that's got sort of six, six I just added an extra poem. It's either got five or six, I can't remember exactly. But anyway, um, I put that together and I was doing it on Canva and I found that image of the butterfly and I was like, this just really feels beautiful. I love it. We are already free. It was, it was all kind of resonating. And then I put that on there. And then when I was doing the podcast, I thought I'd do the same thing. And, and over that time, I mean, I've always loved the story of the butterfly and the caterpillar and the, tr it's like such a, it's the perfect representation of transformation. But then just recently, because I've been like so much about the butterfly because of the podcast and everything, I, I had this realization that I haven't heard anyone talk about yet. And I think it's, it's such an important one if we're gonna really, if we're gonna really acknowledge the, the infinite game that we're playing. And this might sound very out there for some people and I, it's totally cool if it doesn't resonate for anyone, but I don't, I think we are, we are in infinity. Cause I remember when I was a kid, I always used to be like, when did it begin? And, and then they're like, oh, well, you know, the big bang. I'm like, but what about before the big bang? And it's like, where's the outside edge of reality? They're like, oh no, well, it's infinite, but it's expanding. It's like, well, fuck does that, how does any of that make sense? And I could never get, and as a kid, I, the, eventually I was like, oh, I guess I just shouldn't be curious about that. Turns out I was bloody right. Because having now worked with breathwork and with plant medicines and actually experienced the dance between the finite and the infinite, I realized that we are literally a dream that the infinite is having. We are a finite part of infinity because for infinity to be infinite, there has to be the finite within it. And here we are having the finite experience within the infinite dance. And so that truth is very true for me. Like that's my, I know that deeply. And so what I notice within, even within all these new, this new age of transformation and we all, everyone's obsessing about the butterfly as if the butterfly is a destination. It is a mm -hmm. destination in a cycle, but it is not the end. There is no end. So there's the mm -hmm. butterfly, then the butterfly lays an egg, the egg becomes a caterpillar, the caterpillar eats and devours and actually destroys a lot in its journey of transformation. The, mm -hmm. I noticed that the other day, there were all these caterpillars on a tree at my dad's house and they had just about decimated the whole tree. And I was like, well, then they'll go into cocoons and they'll come out butterflies and they'll pollinate that same tree. 
So there's this beautiful invitation in that transformational journey to let go of the obsession with the butterfly. Yes, we will become at some point the butterfly, the representation of enlightenment. We will reconnect with our divine nature and be full expanded beings at one with everything, all the beauty. And then we'll go, all right, done this for a while. Guess I'll go back to Caterpillar again. Let's start again. And it's, we're even saying that there's a part of me that's like, whoa, that's intense. Like there's no end. It doesn't. But the gift of infinity is forgetfulness. Because here I am, I don't remember that. I don't remember being one with everything and being all that is all at once in all directions and all times happening simultaneously. Like, so here I am, I'm Nathan as far as I can tell in this moment. And that's the gift to remember and to let go is that we are just on a journey and each part of the journey is as natural as every other part. If you're a caterpillar and you're listening to this, be a caterpillar. If you're a caterpillar mush inside a cocoon dissolving and you don't know what's going to come out the other side, dissolve trust the cocoon trust the process if you're a butterfly well then you know you're at that phase where you you get it <laughs> and it's all good it's all part of the cycle none, none of them are better than the other and i think the real gift that these masters have always been telling us is like you're it and you're it now you don't have to go anywhere else to be it just be it that's it here we are done <laughs> oh, it's beautiful uh, I, I love that i really do I think maybe th that that's a kind of good lead on to. So you spoke about again. I'm going back to the, the podcast of terror because it was so powerful to me. But you spoke about your dog Sasa and 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 the because we were just speaking about the different stages and you spoke about going back and transforming, and you spoke about it cracking open this 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 portal of pain and loss for you. And just to give you a bit of context, in 2019. Uh, I'd I lost for the first time a very close family member. I lost my gran, and I never thought it would it would have the impact that it did. And at the same time, I was on this this journey of self discovery, and uh, I guess maybe if you call you know going to Africa burn and taking a bit too much psychedelics a journey of self discovery. But I was young, and I was you know um, none the wiser. But uh, yeah, so. I, I had a very difficult experience at Africa Burn uh, on on some heavy dose psychedelics, and for the first time, I got I got I, I bared witness to this idea of loss, and it came down on me like a hurricane, and it it, it shaped it, it shaped my last few years like dramatically, and and I definitely definitely think for the better. If I'd known better, then I would have I would have. Uh, you know, one of my favorite mantras is trust, let go and be open. And I, 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 I kind of wish I carried that with me through that experience because I ran away from it. I was so, I was kind of embarrassed about what had happened to me there. And, and, and uh, somebody, when I was going through a difficult time that, when, that night, somebody had guided me and, and helped me sort of just come down from the experience. And I remember, I remember taking my hand and feeling the earth again. And when the sun came up, I was crying. And it was a very, very tough experience. And it, the, the experience was tough, but the ripple effect was, 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 was harder, you know, the, the coming months, mm. just, just knowing what had happened. And then what also came out was this, this dawning moment and this difficult relationship that I've had with my father my entire life all, also came out from that. So everything, you know, when it rains, it pours. So everything just yeah. came down on me like a, an absolute hurricane. But it was 
from my perspective, it was birthed from that feeling of loss. And my grand was an incredible woman. She, she was one of the only people in my family that didn't question anything I did. It, it was just like, she used to call me, she used to call me my son and she, and whatever I did, she just said, if it makes you happy, do it. And, and she was just this incredible human that just sort of, just, just gave me this permission to be, you know, who I am. And I think that was the difficult part is, uh, you know, realizing that, but I, I digress a bit, but you spoke about you, your, your dog and, and I resonated with that. And you, you, you spoke about this comparison, you and, and Tara spoke about this comparison of depths of loss. So I was wondering if you could maybe just speak to that because uh, to me, it was super, super powerful. Well, thank you so much for sharing and honoring, honoring your grandmother and just honoring all loss. It's really sad. And it is one of the realities that none of us can really ever escape is that we will lose it all eventually. And it's sad. It's fucking hard. <laughs> um, when I, when my dog Sasa went and it was still quite early days, I called a friend of mine and we were just speaking about something unrelated and I told her about Sasa and and she said something I never heard before. I'd heard it one way, but not this way she said it. She said, when the student is ready, the teacher leaves. <laughs> and I just, because I've always heard, you know, when the student is ready, the teacher arrives. And hearing your story, mm -hmm. I was thinking how how beautiful that you had this, that your grandmother in your life, who was that one person who could really just like always saw you as enough. It was always just like, you're good. <laughs> and how beautiful that is. And that in the time that she left, that, that cracking open was your time to grow and to transform into someone who internally is practicing. I am enough. Mm. And how interesting that timing is. And how for me, the timing of Sasa leaving, I'd have never in my life been as prepared, not that anyone can prepare for something like that, but I've never had as many resources available to feel the feelings of my mom abandoning me for nine months when I was 10 years old, just disappearing and literally not a phone call or a letter, having no idea where she was or what had happened. I don't remember that time really. I, don't, I remember her going, I remember her dropping us off for the weekend at our dad's and I remember her, I remember my dad saying, I have a surprise for you nine months later and it was my mom. And so I've never been able to access that stuff. And Sasa leaving gave me access to that. And it is, it's, as you know, it's eviscerating. It is like, it is like being dragged blindfolded over coals and razors. And like, it's the gnarliest, hardest, most painful stuff. And yet it's also real. And I, ha and I had this realization recently around that, that the great mother, the mother of all, the divine mother has to go through that. As, as Emily said in our, in our talk on my podcast, that like everyone who's, everything that's born is born to die. And every mother that births knows in some way that she is birthing a being that is going to die. And that's, and then I was like, okay, we'll expand that to infinity. And imagine that if Mother Earth as an entity where she knows that everything she births is going to die and yet she loves us all unconditionally and she holds us all unconditionally and she keeps making new life because that's what she's here to do. 
like how's that for love and understanding and acceptance and a level of loss that I can't even wrap my head around. Um, but, but with Tara, it was interesting because I felt almost ashamed to bring up the loss of Sasa because Tara lost her daughter. Uh, and, and so, but I really wanted to go there because it is like, when I think about it now, I still, there's a part of me that even as you said her name, Sasa, I was like, yo, I can't believe she's gone. Like, it doesn't make sense. How is this possible? And it's just like, it doesn't make, that's life. It's just, does. it's not, it's not meant to make sense. It's meant to mm -hmm. be experienced and known. And I'm still practicing that. I still bypass it and hide from it at times because it's so painful. Um, but I'm here, I'm in, you know, like I do, I'm doing my best. And, and just Tara said it beautifully. She's like, we can't compare loss. Like loss is loss. And mm -hmm. we're all, we love what we love and we lose and we go through it. And I know for me personally, at this point, it is the biggest loss that I've ever consciously been through. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and that's it. I don't know what else to say. And to anyone out there listening who is navigating loss, I wish you the resources to be able to really feel it, whatever that looks like, to find the people or the practices, the breath work, the meditations, whatever it is that lets you sit in the pain and like a river, a flood, a torrent, let it flow through you mm. because it, it all it wants to do is move. I actually have a song that I'm writing at the moment and the, it's on that theme. And it says, someday life will crack you open, overflow emotion, and the dam flood waters will burst. Don't flee the flood, it seeks the ocean. Every motion is a sign of your beautiful thirst. So if you're listening to this and you know loss, let it run, let it run. <laughs> yeah, um, that's beautiful. And... Yeah, thank you for thank you for sharing that. Uh, like I said, for me, I mean, you said it again, but just bringing it up makes that awareness. Everyone is, I guess, in some sense, playing this single player game that we play. So your your level of consciousness is going to attach a level of depth to whatever you're experiencing, and no one can tell you that your suffering is no less than somebody else's mm. and i think the difficult experiences that i've that i've had in the past um through plant medicine or or breath breath work or everything that i've done is is made me appreciate that on 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 a very deep level and and see people's suffering as congruent with their nature and and it, it's not about me it's about <laughs> what they're experiencing mm. and yeah that's that's profound it's it's beautiful yeah there's a i think the hardest thing is well one of the hardest things for me is that it's all in service to growth is mm. so there's a part of me that I punish myself because I wish that I had been conscious enough and together enough and healed enough that Sasa didn't have to go that way that she could have stayed and I could have held her in my arms as she passed rather than her running away for whatever reasons that she did or that, you know, all the stories that I have. And at the same time, if you believe in the idea of karma, of this idea that everything is happening in service 
to growth. Everything is a part of the story of ourselves unfolding for ourselves. There becomes a kind of a piece within that of like, okay, instead of how did I fuck this up? It's what is the lesson this is gifting me? And I had a vision of that of like, because Sasa, we have beautiful pictures of her on the wall that Carly, my beloved, made for me for my birthday, honoring Sasa, these big like prints. And sometimes when I look at them, I feel bad. I look at them and I just feel guilty. And in my plant medicine journey, it showed me how if I, as, if I continue to just show up, like practice showing up, that's, that's the whole point. Is no, I'm going to fail a gazillion more times, but all I have to do is get up one more time and then I fail. Just one extra get up to every fail. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then those, those images of Sasa on the wall become trophies. They become a hero that has been rightfully honored and worshipped as a teacher on my path that gave her life so that I could grow and heal and become fully myself. And that in fact, her death is like so honorable and so in service to life that of course I would have those photos then I would bow before them and give thanks. And that's just a story. You know, I can tell the story of, oh, Nathan, you're such a fuck up that your dog ran away and it's all your fault. Or Nathan, you're doing the best that you can. And Sasa surrendered and sacrificed her life as she is all part of the one that I am a part of. And and that part of me sacrificed itself so that this part of me could fully embody and then show up in service and live a beautiful life and celebrate and have joy. And I'd much rather tell that story. Mm -hmm. That's a way better story for, for everyone that I know for myself, for everything. So that's what I'm practicing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm with you, brother. Um, and I, I think you summed it up by saying doing the best you can. I mean, if I had known better, I would have done better. That's all I can say. Mm. <laughs> and these, these, these things come and you can be prepared, but you know, you, you just, uh, you sometimes just have those blinders on and if anything, these painful experiences for me certainly has just taken them completely away. I'm like now all of a sudden just looking all around and, and, and just seeing this, uh, this experience we call life from, from a perspective that I just have not experienced before. Mm. Um, Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, you, so you mentioned breathwork and plant medicine. I would love to touch on these because I, I think they, as ill-prepared as I've, I've been in the past, you know, as one does, I came in, I came into the experience like a typical, typical um, person interested in these substances, you know, going to trance parties and <laughs> having a few psychedelics and not really, not really respecting the medicine, you know, Although I've always been interested in it, I've never had access, which is the sad part as well, which maybe you want to touch. I've never had access to a guide that I can go to because I, I unlike many of my friends at school, I, I was reading about them before I, I, I stepped foot in and I was interested in it, but I didn't know where to go. I, I actually had no, way, no guide to sort of, to, to seek the help that I wanted to with these, with these powerful medicines so what what, like i don't know i I was going somewhere with this and i've and i've sort of (laughs) lost my train of thoughts a bit but what what is you what has been your experience with plant medicine and and how has it informed you um and then maybe 
if you want to also just touch on the breathwork side of things as well and how that's maybe a similar experience, but maybe less, uh, I don't know, less intense initially, but <laughs> I don't know how you want to tackle that, but let's go for it. Cool. Uh, yeah, thank you. I, I mean, I think many of us or most of us initially came to psychedelics through just like experimentation and thinking, you know, I, I had mushrooms a few times when I was a teenager and then kind of left it alone. I think for me personally, I'd always, I've always been more like would take me too deep into this kind of medicine, medicine work. And I was like, mm. I thought this was supposed to be fun. And, like, um, and medicine work actually is is fun at the end of the day this is the funny part is that i've only started to realize but um yeah i went i walked away from it for many many years and then i started hearing about this thing called ayahuasca some years ago and was like and the people who i really respected were were using these things and i because i had i had bought the story that psychedelics was like something hippies do and it's all like weird and crazy and and then all these people are really these leaders and business owners and people who are like really showing up beautifully in the world, running really conscious businesses and showing up for their families. And they were all talking about these things. And this was now 2008, 2009. And then I had my first experience with ayahuasca when 2000, end of 2009, which blew me like I was so not ready. And I went into the circle of people who I did. I was I didn't know anyone there. I'd heard about it through someone and I just arrived and drank ayahuasca and then like left my freaking body for however many hours it was super intense and i sat with it a few more times that year 2010 because yeah but every experience was like they were good lessons for me the second experience was choose your guides wisely and i'm not saying the guide there was a, a bad guide but that it wasn't good for me i didn't resonate with the guide i didn't resonate with the vibe mm -hmm. it was very unsafe and I think that this is actually very important. I'm hearing more people start to share around like safety and how important it is because there are energetic frequencies and there are entities and there are consciousness, different types of consciousness that have different agendas. And it's so, so, so important that the set and the setting are sorted, that it's with people who you deeply trust, who know how to navigate all the spaces that can come up um, and really prioritize prioritize safety really because so that you can go to unsafe spaces in yourself spaces that are dangerous spaces that are out way outside of your comfort zone and that you can go there and know that no matter what's happening there's someone there who's got your back who's holding the container who's keeping the energy clear who's keeping the music going who's got the sage burning like keeping that vibe high i think that is actually critical and i would also add to that that I know I'm going practical and I'll go into more stories of how it's affected me, but I just think it's so important that we, we cover this aspect, which is, is also the integration preparation and integration are critical. I still want to improve my integration. I still lose so much of the wisdom and the teachings I get when I work with plant medicine, because I'm still trying to find good integration practices and support networks. And this is something I think a lot about, and I think we will develop them as we go forward in this, but I would envision that eventually people will start to have integration circles where there's, and I know that they happen, but more and more where that becomes normal that we, you know, okay, we're going to sit with medicine. Great. Do you have your integration group ready? Like, are you going to be integrating with other people and just making sure because basically our life as we live it right now is like a groove 
And, and so the, we've worn that groove in our heads and also in the external reality. So we come out of this, this medicine being like, wow, I've so shifted. Everything's different. I, I'm, I'm connected to the divine within myself and within everything else. My whole life's going to change. And then we just slot straight back into our little rut. And within a few days, we're do exactly waking up late, binge watching Netflix, eating shitty food, like whatever the stories are, because all the, and then our relationships, our friends, our family, they're all like, but I expect you to be a certain way. And so then they have the pressure of like, not always, but these are the, the realities that are worth considering. So what am I putting in place that is going to help me to stay open and stay expanded and take action on the insights that I gain in these journeys. I think that's such an important place to start saying all of that. I don't know that I would, I don't think I would still be alive if it wasn't for plant medicines. I was in such a bad way for a long time and I was looking for something. And I, even to the point that my family and friends, none of whom are really pro pharmaceuticals, they started saying like, maybe you should take some antidepressants. Like, because this is like worrying, you know, at one point, I think I was trying to contact Falkenberg to like, can I check myself in, you know, mm -hmm. like, can I, cause I'm, I don't know how I'm going to keep going. Um, and fortunately I kept researching and kept finding information about plant medicines and decided, and I felt a calling funnily enough, this was now already, geez, when I was still in England was like years and years ago. But my reconnection with psilocybin was that I had, I think I had a dream about it and had this feeling where like for weeks, it was like, I should take mushrooms. I was like, why am I thinking that? I have not been like, I haven't touched psychedelics in many, many years. I don't, I, I'm not in, I'm not keen. And then a few weeks later, this is like end of, gosh, this is many years ago now, but a friend arrived to visit. And as she walked through the door, I was house sitting my aunt's house in North London in England. And as she walked through the door, she just handed me a bag and said, Hey, my friend grows mushrooms. And I don't know why, but I thought you might want these. And I was like, Okay, I guess I'm taking those. <laughs> and I actually, it was maybe two or maybe three grams, which is, is still a respectable dose. Mm -hmm. And I, that New Year's, I just stayed home and I, and I ate these mushrooms and, and it really helped me a lot. And then again, it was years before I was courageous enough or, because I was scared of containers and I, and I felt so unsafe. I wanted to do it by myself. I never wanted anyone to see my wounding. And I think that's a big mm -hmm. part of this the funny that every man is an island like we're all i need to i was like if i just heal by myself then i can bring myself back to the world and then everyone can get the nice the beautiful healed happy nathan and um and anyway so i found a therapist eventually who was working illegally in south africa and but like a clinical psychologist and i worked with the psychologist and then at some point was able to go and, and sit with a five gram dose of psilocybin with a few other people and then I had two more solo journeys. And, and I mean, those journeys were so transformative. Like they just, it was that feeling of, of letting go of the identity of my story. Nathan with his physical pain and his teeth issues and his, I don't know what job to do. And I'm depressed and all that's happened to me in my life. And it was like, I went out through that layer, like the ego death as they call it. Mm -hmm. And then, and then ancestors and then society and then earth and then life. And then, and eventually, I was just a field of light and color and love. And that's all that there was. That's all. And I, even at that perspective, I could look in and I, I saw like Hitler and Holocaust and 
and and like lots of beautiful things and love but like i also saw the dark and nasty mm. stuff and that feeling of that being that that ocean of color and sound and light that is just all one thing it was just like i love you i love you mm. i love you to all of it every little piece the brightest and the darkest and that was a fucking relief to realize like we are all worthy before the eyes of the lord basically like that no one this idea of of hell as some punishment that we get hell something that we do to ourselves when we forget to to forgive like there's a beautiful story of the buddha where there was a whether it's true or not it's a, you know it's a it's a teaching story um there was a guy who dedicated his life to murder like he was literally i want to kill as many people as i can that's my life's purpose and he killed 999 people and he's like i need a big one for my thousandth kill you know like i really need to make a mark and he said i've heard about this buddha guy i'm gonna go and i'm gonna i'm taking that i'm taking him down and he went and he met the buddha and because of the buddha because he was so connected to his oneness to his true nature when this man met the buddha he was like uh oh i've i need to learn i need to learn what you're doing and i want to do it and he did he sat with the buddha and he attained his own enlightenment his connection and then he dedicated the rest of his life going back to the families of every person he'd murdered not to like i'm sorry i'm sorry but to teach them meditation so that they could also realize that they hadn't lost anything that nothing is lost mm -hmm. and that everything is one and it's all okay and i'm sure he apologized a few times too but like <laughs> the but there's a beauty in that of like again if i carry my guilt around the mistakes that i made that may have caused my dog sasa to run away then i'm doing us all a disservice but if i take those lessons and i use the skills and the practices that for me plant medicine and breathwork are like the most direct way to realize that truth and to come home to that truth because at the end of the day the universe is a dance it is a song it is a story universe one story universe one song and the song is to be danced and so all that these medicines are doing all the breathwork is doing and the plant medicines is saying oh there's something there that's stopping you from dancing Let's get that out. Let's purge that. Let's cry it out. Let's shout it out. Let's shake it out. And then keep, then get back up and keep dancing. Like that's because that's what you came here to do. So it's not a punishment. Like the difficulty that is plant medicine and, and breath work is the difficulty of being wounded, of being, of having pain, of having unhealed trauma. And the process of healing that is only to then return to let's sing and dance and make love forever and ever amen <laughs> <laughs> oh man you i don't know you said something about yeah i know you mentioned ancestors and forgiveness um i had a actually during during covid um during the deep the deep dark depths of uh, covid and lockdown and things like that um i was also i had this i had this calling i had this calling to 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 dive into plant medicine and and I, and I and I wanted to go to a guide I wanted to respect the medicine itself and and I had this longing and also I went to a guide that was working in Johannesburg at the time and um, I took a pretty hefty dose of mescaline um, and and that's a long trip that, that was the longest trip I've ever experienced um, it was like it was like 20 hours it was crazy but wow. during the initial stages of it um, I, I spoke about my dad and, 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 I, and just like, I've read a lot about it and I know Dave Feldman and all these greats that write about psychedelics and things, they say, hold on to your gold. So 
the insights that you get, you only want to share them with people that you that you really know or respect them. And it's so easy to just like hand them off to people that are not ready that that might actually dismiss your insights and things like that. But certainly with you, I feel I could share this. But I remember, so I've had this difficult relationship with my dad my entire life. And, and um, I've been raised by my mom, single mom, most of my life. So it's been me and her and, and I knew this was something that I had to face. And, and I remember taking the medicine and I saw my dad's pain as a kid, the same pain that was carried down to me. I saw his pain and I saw my ancestors pain. And I saw this generate this male generational pain that had been passed down to all the, 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 the men in my family. And I just cried my eyes out and I came together with my father. Like I got this image in my head. Like we wrapped, we wrapped our uh, heads together and, and I, I just, I saw my ancestors dancing around us and we all just like sort of came in and, and closed each other up and, and yeah, I felt this level of forgiveness that that I just don't think would be possible w without plant mes medicine. It, it's safe to say it opened up. Or, yeah, maybe that's a big statement, but it just opened up this, this this level of forgiveness. That was so profound to me, and it's it, I carry it with me every day, and 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 I'm super grateful, and we are much better terms now for that and um mm. just having that ability to to access your pain without your ego i guess is is what it's about hey, is to see your pain as just pain and 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 it's when your ego is attached to it that that you really <laughs> have a difficult time associating with it or or, or understanding it so mm. yeah thanks for mentioning that i just thought i would share that with you because i, I just had a very similar experience with 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 what you were yeah mentioning it's beautiful yeah it's beautiful i mean there's i love that i think that the breath is such a good guide as well for because at times it is it's not it, like we're, the things we're talking about are super hard it's like mm -hmm. to be in that space and to be confronted by something dark and ugly and and angry and and like because it, it's toxic stuff that gets stuck and it wants to move but it's scary to go to the place where where it is so that we can let it move and for me i think that's where the breath can become such mm. a good friend the breath is the reminder that life wants to flow is that there is an in breath and then there is an out breath and we can't actually stop either of them for any length of time and if we try it really hurts so might as well come back to the breath and that in the breath then mm. I'm still here. Here we go. Letting go, letting it flow, letting it move. Um, so yeah, I really always coming back to the breath. It's interesting you talk about your dad because I've held a lot of anger for my dad, even though we've been super close. And in some ways it's like the, what are they like the golden shadow yeah. where everyone always thought like, Oh, Nathan and, and Mark, like what a beautiful son and son and father. Like they just get on so well and they're so similar and, and I think because of that, I never really had a chance to explore the parts that were hurt and that were broken and that were in pain. And I, so for a long time that, that started expressing as anger and I was very impatient and very angry with him. And I couldn't really work out why 
Um, but interestingly, in a journey I had, in a plant medicine journey, I, I had brought a photo with me to the weekend of myself as a really young boy sitting on a, on a fence looking at my dad who was taking the photo on a film camera. And in the journey for the first time, and this is what's so beautiful about these medicines, whether it's breathwork or, or plant medicines or trance dancing or whatever it is that gets you there, what's beautiful is that it, it dissolves, it helps us to see things, literally see things from another perspective. So in that moment, I suddenly, for the first time ever, I'd always looked at that photo and be like, oh, look how happy I looked then. You know, that little Nathan who just wanted to play and have a good time. And, oh, wow, you know, that's sad that I've lost a lot of that, etc. And in the moment, in this journey, suddenly I looked through the camera and I saw the love that my dad had taking that photo. And I saw that, like, wow, I just knew that the man who took that photo loved me absolutely as well as he could. And with all of the brokenness and the wounding of our lineage, yet there he was taking a photo of his smiling young son, just being like, wow, this is amazing. And I, and I knew that deeply and it just freed me from all that rage and all that blame that I'd been holding with him. And it's not that he hasn't done bad shit. I've done bad shit, like we all have, but we're all equal in that. We're all innocents before the Lord, you know? And when I say the Lord, I just mean the universe, the divine, the sacred, whatever we want to call it. But we truly are all equal within the divine dance. And it's so nice to remember that. Mm. <laughs> mm. Yeah, thank you. Wow. I guess we, yeah, you, you're never alone is, is, is the great overarching theme is that as, as, as alone as you think you are, you just, um, there's people out there that the integration, I guess, hey? and that's what's important about it is that I, I suppose for me, this podcast is a bit of an integration, integration session as well. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but Nathan, I want to be quite respectful of your time. I know we, we're coming up. I don't know how much more time you have left, um, but maybe a bit of a, I guess a bit of a, a bit of a quick segue is that just for myself, I suppose it's a bit of a personal, like scratching, scratching of the itch is that, you know, you put out such good content in your social media and stuff like that and, and such purposeful content. How, how, how do you manage your, your, your time on social media? How do you, how do you manage your connections and, and how do you ensure that, you know, you don't get lost in the void of <laughs> just the constant, um, I guess, stuff that comes our way, just going online and um, yeah, you can tackle that however you, however you like. Well, thank you so much for, for the invitation and in all honesty, it's my biggest shadow piece. Like I really, really struggle with, um, with tech addiction. It's always been, I've always been surprisingly like, I, I love tech. I'm really good at it. Like I, I understand how it works. I love to always try to work out the best way to do things, but it means that I, I don't know, I'm, I'm addicted to it. Like I won't deny it. I, I feel, and in some ways it's a solution I'm still looking for. I'm still seeking the balance um, because I think of it like, imagine being someone who owns a bar and you're an alcoholic. It's your business and it's killing you. And so for me, like I'm very addicted to my phone and to tech in general, social media especially. 
and yet it's also where my work is and where I share with people and where I get clients for my um, for my intuitive guiding and my coaching and my breath work. And so what I do know and what I do notice is that if I focus more on what I do want, if I take more time to plan my days and to vision my life and to uh, take time literally manifesting, like breathing and, and imagining the body, the life, the relationships, the, the, the feelings that I want to feel more of in my life. And then I take time to plan, okay, what are the actions I'm taking this week and or today or this month to, ma to move in that direction, that that kind of just pushes out the other stuff. Like, I, like the, the, so much time on social media. So I've also recently started being in service more. It's something, you know, I've at times I've volunteered on Lifeline, the, the, the South African suicide hotline. Mm -hmm. And um, then I moved. And so I haven't been doing that. But I, in the local community, I've started volunteering a few times a week. And I'm just prior consciously prioritizing more of the things that I do care about. And then there's just simply less time for the other stuff. It is still a challenge and there have been times when I've been way better at it and way worse at it and mm. it comes and it goes. Unfortunately, the reality is that these apps and these devices are designed, the algorithms are way cleverer than my monkey brain at getting me, at getting those dopamine triggers to fire. So, so it's a tough one, man. It's a, it's an ongoing journey. I know that when I prioritize connection with other people when i prioritize connection with my purpose connection to my to service to helping others connection to nature and adventure that naturally the social media falls away what i'm still learning to navigate is when i have like spare moments like go to the mm -hmm. toilet or i'm just like car we're at a restaurant and carly goes off to the bathroom or gets a call it's like the easiest thing to just pick up my phone mm -hmm. and get back into it mm -hmm. so these are still things i'm navigating and i really i i have an intention mm -hmm. to spend my time more beautifully and more presently and i'm working on that it is a mm -hmm. work in progress and i don't have I don't have the answers on that one. It's it's a difficult one because this tech is so addictive, mm -hmm. and it's been it's been my primary drug for a long time. And so, in some ways, people are like, "Oh, well, at least it isn't cocaine." I'm like, "Well, it's kind of easier to like get away from cocaine once you make that decision," whereas this is literally integrated into my whole life. So, mm -hmm. yeah, if anyone out there has other suggestions, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, I like how we've gone full circle back to what you were speaking about in the beginning is back to the truth. Eh? It's just when you've got that truth bottled up inside you, it's you've got this <laughs> these platforms that make it so easy and so accessible to release that truth. But then mm. it's like once you've done the releasing, it's like there's this <laughs> sort of ripple effect of other just scrolling and mm -hmm. meme devouring and things like that so <laughs> meme devourer yes yeah. <laughs> um and, and then you know if i can just maybe sign off quickly so you 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 post speaking of you posted this video i love it and, and you you I, how you memorize that whole piece about veganism but you spoke about veganism being this other ism um you can go as deep as you want but that was a great video and reason being is because I've often found that 
within the plant medicine space, space breathwork space, there, there's this sort of perception that you have to adopt, you know, it's like if you're in there, you just automatically by default have to adopt, you know, a plant-based diet to be considered spiritual or to be considered connected. I, I, maybe, it's a, maybe it's my own perception, but that's what I felt like. And reaching out to you, a big part of my reaching out to you was because you were so open about everything. And like you said, you don't want to be caged into this thing. So uh, can you just speak about that and, and maybe touch on how has that has has your diet itself evolved over time? And how has it maybe affected you? Hmm. Yeah, thank you. I, you know, to me, the word sp spirituality has become associated with this idea of transcending the physical. And it's like what I was talking about earlier with the caterpillar and the cycle. There's nothing to transcend. Mm. So everything we see, everything that exists, we are it. It is us. We are at some stage reflections of everything we experience. And I used to think, as it says in that poem you're talking about, which is called life unfolding into everything. And I've often thought about leaving out that first piece of like, have you yet realized that veganism is just another ism? And I think a lot of people get hooked on that, especially vegan people who are like label themselves as vegan. They get hooked on the on that. And I'm only speaking from experience. I was part of that, not just that lifestyle, but that industry. I worked in raw food veganism. I worked in a vegan cafe in Camden Town in London. I worked in a vegan dessert kitchen in London. Like I went all the way deep in that world. I really know what it feels like to think, as I say in the poem, that like, I don't have to feel any guilt if I don't see any blood on my plate. Like that, that's, that I get away from killing, that I get away from something having to die so I can live. And I think one of the limitations of that perspective is that consciousness is like more or less, like there's more or less consciousness. Like, oh, well, a cow is super conscious, but like a piece of lettuce is not at all conscious because it doesn't, for whatever reason, I don't think that they show up in life in the same way, but I do know that when a plant is being eaten, it will send toxins out into its leaves to stop the predator from eating it more. I do know that when a tree in the forest falls down, the other trees send messages or like, hey, what's up? What's happening? Someone's someone's gone. Like, we need to work this out. Let's, what's the danger? Life Life wants to live and all life dies. And so what I realized over time was I could either meet that honestly and meet that in the fullness of itself, or I could continue to pretend that I didn't have to be a part of that cycle by drinking almond milk or whatever the story was that I had about that. And I came to it a lot through regenerative agriculture, like just seeing how, how rich the earth is when there are ruminants and when there are predators that keep the ruminants moving so that the ruminants don't eat too much of the grass or the bushes and how important that cycle is that the ruminants are moved on by predators and that we are now, we have to be responsible for that because we've killed too many of the predators, which is really sad, but it's the reality. It's where we are right now. So all those kind of things. And also I've always followed and listened to people I consider kind of uh, leaders in, in, in whatever area I'm interested in. So when I was into the veganism stuff, like I was following people like Shazi who wrote the book, Naked Chocolate, which popularized raw chocolate. Like she wrote the book with David Wolf, who's like the leader of the raw vegan movement for a long time. Like, and I went and worked for Shazi. Like I didn't just, you know, like I, I really made an effort to connect. And when Shazi was like, veganism isn't a sustainable diet. And she, she's like, I'm 
she's like one of the top vegans in the world, written books about it. And she's like, it's not sustainable. And yet she was vegan and she was f keeping her kid vegan and like all these stuff. I was like, it all started to be like cognitive dissonance. Like what the fuck mm. is going on? This doesn't make sense. And then all of the leaders, like I worked in that vegan cafe and the guy who owned that, Dom, an amazing guy, deeply researched, deeply in integrity, like did so much of the best to make sure he was as ethical as possible. He eventually went back and started like butchering his own animals, like literally going to the abattoir because he's that kind of guy. He's like, well, I realize I have to eat meat because I'm going to I'm getting sick and I want to be healthy and I want to be a part of regenerative um, cycles within society, within the world. So I need to take responsibility. And instead of just like eating meat from the market, he went to his local butcher mm -hmm. to get his properly raised animals like those are the people. And every single one of those leaders that I followed ended up reintroducing meat into their diets at the highest level. Again, I am not condoning factory farming in any way, shape or form in the same way that I'm not condoning mono cropping of just like rows of lettuce or rows of almond trees or rows of whatever that single thing is that you think you can eat that you can not have to kill anything for. Like it doesn't work that way. And I'm sorry if that's upsetting for some people to hear. But that's where my truth is now. And I've been through it. Like, I'm not just coming at that from like, oh, well, it's just easier to eat meat. And yeah, so that's, that's a big part of it is life eats life from nature's table. No one gets to escape that. Hmm. And I actually like one of the gifts coming back to Sasa and, and how it all works, that when Sasa had disappeared and we were searching for her and was just like, just so heartbreaking and imagining her you know, dehydrated and slowly dying out in the tundra. Like, I mean, Jesus, stories like just break me. At some point in that period, the guys who lived on the farm, actually the people whose Sasa was originally their dog on that farm. And then she chose me and moved in. It's a whole long story, but, but those guys, the kids came to us one day with a hawk that they had found with a broken wing. And they're like, you know, here's this hawk we found. Can you maybe help it? And we're like, well, let's take it to the vet. And this hawk, dude, it was like the calmest. It was like a Zen monk. It was fully conscious. It was looking around, blinking its eyes, just completely calm. Just, and I was like, oh, this thing looks like it's in great shape. Like we'll probably get it there. And, and then I opened the wing and it was just like shards of bone and ants and it was decaying. It must've been there already for days. Like, and I, and we went and we put it down. Like we were like, this is, this is clearly on its way out. Let's just help it along and you know, and that was the right thing to do. But what that showed me is that truly wild animals, truly wild creatures are not afraid of death or pain. Like that animal must have been in so much pain and it just was like full Zen. And I realized in a way that was a gift from the universe showing me that Sasa for sure passed in peace, however mm. that went. Like mm. that somehow she found it under a bush or wherever and she just went to sleep and she just let it happen because she even though she's domesticated like dogs they still got it you know they still know and um and i have since heard many dogs actually do run away to die when it's their time um but just that story to me of how we try to like romanticize or disneyfy how life mm. works of like oh no you know the little animals they just want to play with each other and people share these beautiful videos of like an alligator cuddling a deer or something and it's like yeah cool life is crazy shit happens all the time like that it's not the norm and that's not and life doesn't care about our like oh i just want it to all be gentle and sweet life eats life from nature's table and and that's how it is 
And not only that, but then obviously the big one is like, I think if I thought that I could be healthy as a plant-based eater, that I would still have like tried to find a way to make it work somehow regeneratively and sustainably. Mm. But I just don't believe that. I, d I think that humans need those epic, juicy, fatty, dripping, meaty, like, oh, that even when I talk about it, my body's like, <laughs> oh, yes. Like feeling that, that, that like rich earthiness because it's again what I was talking about earlier. Spirituality is not transcending anything. Mm. Spirituality is fully being earthed and mm. here now. And I can't think of a better way to fucking be here now than eating a delicious, juicy, dripping, sizzling steak straight off the braai. Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is making me very hungry. I can't wait to my meat later. <laughs> well, anyway, so yeah, that's, that's my story with plant-based and... Um, and I also see it as a part of this, this sort of, as I said, the romanticizing of reality where we can now, mm. it's like, if you don't feel like you belong in your body, take these drugs and cut these pieces off and you'll be f completely fine. Oh, if you, you don't want to hurt anything, oh, that's fine. You just eat plants and it's going to be totally okay. Eat the impossible burger because it's good for the planet, but it's made in factories. It's a complete from start to finish an industrial process. Mm. So like there's this idea of, if we continue to surrender our freedom to some parental figure who says that they are going to take care of us, we will continue to sicken and feel isolated and feel overwhelmed and powerless because that is dis-ease, is disconnection from the reality that we are all responsible for our freedom and we are all responsible for owning that fully. And that means that for me to live, something else has to die. And it's not a bad thing. It's just how life works. And I can either do that consciously or that can happen unconsciously. And if it happens unconsciously, it's more than likely going to be super toxic and super poisonous for the planet. So rather do it consciously, choose it wisely and show up for it, which is yeah. why like the meat we buy is top quality. Like it's from the best regenerative agriculture, epic sources. You know, eventually, yes, I'd like to have my own animals, but in this, I'm doing the best that I can with where I am right now. And I think that's better than just like checking out and being like, oh, I don't know, it doesn't matter. I'll just eat whatever. Yeah. Well, yeah, Nathan, we, we're going to have to have another round too because I would love <laughs> to go many ways with that. But um, oh, thank you so much. This has been such an awesome, deep, beautiful chat with you. Uh, I really appreciate your time and energy. Um, it means a lot. I know, certainly myself, sensitive individuals. It, it it is it is quite taxing sometimes on the on the nervous system when you when you release when you release energy and you need to recoup a bit. So I really appreciate the vulnerability and um, sharing your story with me. It it means a lot. Um, where where can people find you if they need to get hold of you or or let's not let's not be like your video that you just posted in case this yeah. gets far <laughs> just leave you hanging in the dust there <laughs> yeah. like how do you spell main main hard main word mean what what's the... yeah um thank oh. you i mean thank you for inviting me on josh and thank you for what you're doing and and i just wish you like all the blessings on your path as for all of us all of That's us right. just remembering together that mm. we're already free and let's do this thing let's dance um, and that's actually the easiest place for people to find me is just dance and I'll be there. No, it's, uh, <laughs> um, just, we are already free.com. We are already free.com and that'll direct you to the podcast or to my website or wherever, somewhere where you'll find me and be able to connect further, however you choose. And 
and yeah, I just do make that invitation. I am in service to, I offer one-to-one -one intuitive guiding and coaching and narrative transformation, like helping with songs and stories and poems and breath work, helping people who are on this journey of transformation, of reclaiming sovereignty. So if anyone is listening to this and feels like they could do with some help and support on that path, I'd be honored, be honored to connect with you. And yeah, that you can sign up for a free discovery call at that same link. So just, yeah, reach out, find me and let's do this thing. And thank you again, Josh, really lovely speaking with you. Thank you for reaching out. And I look forward to the next one. Thanks brother. Cheers.